Please remain standing and pray with me. Almighty God, we come before your presence this morning and we ask that you would enliven the words of your scripture that has been read and the words that will be preached here by your spirit that dwells among us and in us. And would you nourish our hearts and souls, not only to restore where we need healing, uh, where we are broken, but also, Lord, to energize us and animate us for the glory of your name and for the good of your kingdom. And so we come expectant, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, go ahead and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. And yes, we did hear that read two weeks ago. Uh, We'll call it rector's privilege. Uh, We're going to go back uh, to Mark chapter 1 this morning. We're continuing our series of sermons that we began two weeks ago. And and my desire and prayer is that we come through this series and have a clear sense of who we are, what we're to be about, and where we're going in the next season of life here at Christ Church. And in order to do that in this series, I'm going to unpack an answer to the following question. What does it mean for us? What does it mean for us to be a Christian church deeply rooted in Christ and in Winston-Salem for God's glory and for the life of our neighbors? What does it mean for us to be a Christian church deeply rooted in Christ and in Winston-Salem for God's glory and the life of our neighbors? And for the last two weeks, we've started answering this question by going straight to the core, the heart of who we are. We are a Christian church. And what is a Christian church? There it is, Lynn. Thank you. Lynn gets uh, bonus stars uh, on her report card. Thank you, Lynn. Seriously, that was wonderful. A Christian church is a people called by God to gather around the magnetic center of the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we've seen, this good news is that God's kingdom has come in Jesus. It's finally arrived in Jesus. Through his life and death and resurrection, Jesus has opened the door to the new creation. And he holds that door open and he invites us to come and join him, to participate in God's kingdom now and one day when it comes in its fullness to enjoy the great benefits of God's presence on earth and his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And the news that is so good, the gospel is that the true God, the world's creator, has loved the world so much, and that includes you, and that includes me, yes, me, that includes me too, (laughs) that he has come himself in the person of Jesus Christ, that he has taken on human flesh, he has died and he has risen again to exhaust the power of evil, to exhaust the... Evil played its hand, and it lost And he's also come through his death and resurrection to heal this world, to make everything right and true and good and beautiful. Everything sad will come untrue and joy will replace sorrow. That's the good news. In Jesus, a new day has dawned. 
The eighth day of creation is here. God's kingdom has arrived on earth. This is what we've looked at for the last two weeks. Yet, if you look with me again at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, you'll see that that really is just half of what Jesus preaches. Look again at verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the first half, that in Jesus God's kingdom has come. Now, here's the second half of Jesus' preaching of the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. To be a Christian church is to be a group of people who respond to the work of God, to respond to that good news in this world, the work that begins and ends with Jesus. And that's why we can say it is a response to Jesus. Do you embrace Jesus? Because to embrace Jesus is to embrace the kingdom of God. The work that God is doing is that he's healing. This is what he's doing through Jesus. He's healing the world by bringing his kingdom about through Jesus. That means for all those who embrace Jesus, God is bringing about his healing for the world through you. You are the body of Christ. And God invites us not only to receive the healing benefits of this work, but also to become active agents of Jesus' mission. To be about the work of the kingdom, like Jesus, going about our lives, testifying to the miraculous power of God that heals not only bodies, but also hearts, that mends relationships that have been torn apart and fractured, the power of God's new life at work in us. And this morning, I want us to see that at the core of our identity as a Christian church is this issue of responding to the good news. It's not only that Jesus has come and said the kingdom of God is here, the other half of it is that we have to respond to that good news. And I want us to see four things involved that are involved in responding to the good news. First, it involves individual responsibility. Second, it involves a personal relationship Third, it involves a costly and comprehensive lifelong process. A costly and comprehensive lifelong process. And fourth, it involves a new family membership. These are what is involved in responding to the good news. If we, do, if we reduce responding to good news to any one of these, we've missed it. We've missed it. So let's begin there with point one. Individual responsibility. Each one of us is responsible for responding to the good news through repentance and belief. Each one of us is responsible for responding to the good news through repentance and belief. Look there at those next two verses, verses 16 and 17. Jesus, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, at Simon Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, to each one of them individually, follow me, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Notice we move from the general in verse 15, Jesus is just in the region of Galilee proclaiming the kingdom that the kingdom of God is in him to the specific that Jesus is addressing and he's encountering these two young Galilean fishermen 
Peter and Andrew, and he is saying to them, you follow me. That's the summation of the good news, that following Jesus involves repentance and belief, for they do turn away. They turn away from their nets. They do embrace Jesus. They follow him. They, that, that requires a measure of faith to leave, what your, to leave your vocation for James and John, to leave their father there in the boat and to follow Jesus Responding to the good news requires individual responsibility. We are all responsible for it. There's no middle. There's no neutral ground. There's no spiritual Switzerland when it comes to the good news that in Jesus God's kingdom is here. It requires repentance and belief. This is true for those of us who have been raised in the church as much as it is true for those who have never been raised in the church. Those of us who have never known a day apart from the love of God and the nurture of the church of Jesus Christ, we too are responsible for our decision. Each one of us must respond. Some people who grow up in the church assume they have converted because of their background, because of their presence in the church every Sunday, because they serve in the church, because their parents are Christians. But remember that utterly central to the Christian life is a living relationship with God through Christ, and that this only comes about through the work of the Spirit. Think of John chapter 3, Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus. If anyone was a Jew, if anyone was a part of the kingdom of God, the people of God, it was Nicodemus, wasn't it? But yet, even to Nicodemus... A man, no doubt, Jewish man, no doubt, circumcised on the eighth day, just like Jesus, had all the badges of covenant membership in the people of God. Yet even in Nicodemus, Jesus says, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And we know that born again, of course, a baby doesn't do much to be born. The Spirit of God is active, causing and bringing about new life. But Jesus even says to, to, to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 verses 15 and 16, you must believe too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. So everyone has the responsibility of responding to embracing this proclamation of the good news for oneself. And children at Christ Church, and if we have any of our teenagers here, you need to respond. You need to listen to this. You need to respond in your life to Jesus. You need to own it for yourself. You must, you must embrace this news for yourself. You need to respond to the grace that God has given to you at your baptism. It's crucial that you begin to find your primary identity in Christ as members of his church, as members of his body, and not in your family. That doesn't mean you disregard your family, but your primary identity has to shift to Christ. It has to shift to God's church. The church must become your primary family identity. You must begin to know that fundamentally... More than anything else, more than you are a Kramer, more than you are a Pullen, more than you are a Breeding, or any other last name in this family, in this church, you are a member of God's family. You are a child of God. 
And parents, we must shepherd our children to make that shift. If they've been baptized on your faith and on your repentance, they've received the deposit of God's grace, we must shepherd them to come to see that their primary identity is in Jesus. In his family, not in ours. And furthermore, children and teenagers, you must begin to shift your primary confidence or trust from your parents to God. He is your provider. Responding in faith to God will mean moving from dependency on your parents to dependency on God and a responsibility before God for your own life. Your loyalty and your obedience are now due to Jesus, your King. And it's not just teenagers, it's not just children, it's every one of us. Each person is responsible for responding to the good news. So that's the first thing. Second, that's involved in responding to the good news is a personal relationship. Responding to the good news involves coming to believe, to love, and to obey, to follow Jesus. To enter into a relationship with him and to offer him our total allegiance. Look at verses 18 and verse 20. These are the responses to Jesus' call from both Simon Peter and James and John. Verse 18, and they immediately left their nets and followed him. Verse 20, and immediately he called them, that's James and John, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. Entrance into the kingdom of God is only possible by entering into a personal relationship with Jesus. There is no other way. He is the way. He is the only way. And we are called to follow him on that way. There is no value in being about kingdom business if you do not know and follow the king. The kingdom of God is first about coming into a right and living relationship with the king. And everything else depends upon that. And everything else is built upon that experience of personally knowing and following King Jesus. And personally knowing and following King Jesus demands radical loyalty and radical commitment. Somehow we think the disciples may just... They were called to something unique. Not so. When Jesus calls us to follow him, it is not for some stroll in Miller Park. His gospel call to follow him demands our total and primary allegiance. And that's hard to hear. That's hard to receive. That's even harder to live out. But that leads us to our third aspect of what's involved in responding to the good news. And that is a costly, that that it is a costly and comprehensive process. Responding to the good news is a costly and comprehensive lifelong process. It is not a one and done response. It is not a one and done response. 
Jesus' announcement of the gospel is an invitation to a lifelong practice of costly obedience. And the scope of that obedience is all of life. It is utterly comprehensive. When we respond to the gospel, when we repent and believe the good news, when we follow Jesus, we are to give him everything. That's the demand of the gospel. That's the demand of Jesus' declaration that God's kingdom is here. Utter and total allegiance in every part of our lives. Personal life, home life, job, work life, everything. Our children, everything is to be given to him. Every part of our lives. Isn't that what we see here that the disciples doing? They left it all behind. And they followed him. Not all of us are going to be called to leave our vocations behind. Not all of us are going to be called to leave our our moms or our dads sitting on the front porch. But all of us are called to be ready to give up everything. This is, of course, what it means to follow a king. To follow King Jesus. This is what it means to enter and live within the kingdom of God This is what it means to pray every Sunday and maybe every day, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That includes my life, your life on earth as it is in heaven. And this sort of costly and comprehensive loyalty to Jesus is not cultivated overnight. Some people like Paul, radical. It's just turn around. Other people... It takes time to wake up. It takes time to enter into this life. And for all of us, this will be a process. This is not what we see the disciples. Do you think they're following Jesus there in, in, in chapter 1 of Mark's gospel is undeveloped across the course of their life with Jesus? No, in, in Mark chapter 8, we see that Peter completely misses the fact of what it's like to follow Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I'm following you. Oh, but not if it means going to Jerusalem and being rejected by the chief priests and the scribes, being killed and to be raised by God on the third day. That's not what it means. You know, of course, Peter, in the hour of Christ's need, Peter rejects him. It's a lifelong process. Jesus' costly and comprehensive obedience, the one that he gives the Father, is our model. The one that leads him to be crucified and to be rejected. And Jesus likewise calls those who are following him to such costly and comprehensive obedience. Listen listen again. I'm going to read that part of Mark chapter 8. It says, falling on the heels of Peter's rebuke of Jesus for saying that he's going to, he has to go to Jerusalem to die and be rejected. After Jesus rebukes him, he turns to all the disciples and the crowds that are following him, and he has this to say. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, that is to follow me, if anyone would respond to the, the gospel, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. When Jesus 
calls us to follow him. He calls us to die to ourselves so that we may truly become who God made us to be. So that we may find true abiding life and flourishing in him. At the end of the day, life is about God and his glory and not about us. But as we decenter ourselves and let God be God, we ironically find our true selves in him. We find the people he made us to be. People marked by genuine love. Life. Vitality and light. You see, the life of repentance and response to the good news is a turning back to God. But at the same time, it is a coming to one's true self as God's beloved child. Jesus summons us to join him in his mission to the world and to exhibit a comprehensive and costly obedience that challenges the powers of this broken world that stand in opposition to God's kingdom coming in him. Lastly, a new family membership is involved in responding to the good news. The rebirth of conversion involves becoming an active member of God's family, the body of his son, Jesus, the church. You cannot have one without the other. Jesus invites us to be baptized and to join God's family, a new community that participates in his kingdom mission and exhibits costly obedience across the entire spectrum of human life. And to be a part of a community where we are trained to love God and love one another. The church, not only is this a place of gathered worship, it's also a place of gathered education, of, of catechesis. This is the schoolhouse of love where we come to exercise and learn how to live out true humanity in love of God and love of neighbor. You cannot respond to the gospel without becoming a member of the church the body of Christ. And you cannot be a member of the church and refuse to be an agent of God's mission to spread the good news of the kingdom in this world. So let's, let's try to bring it back to where we began. What's involved in responding to the good news? Well, there's a personal responsibility, individual responsibility. There's a personal relationship there is a costly and comprehensive lifelong process, and there is a new family membership. To be a Christian is to hear the story of the true God, the world's creator, that he loved the whole world, you and me included. He loved that world so much that he came to give himself to us. He came to die. He came to be raised from the dead to exhaust the power of evil and to create a new world in which everything will be healed. Christian faith hears this story and Jesus' call to follow him and responds from the heart with a surge of grateful love that says, yes. Yes, Jesus is Lord. He died for my sins. God raised him from the dead. This is the center of everything. And I want to follow him. 
to believe, to love, to obey, and yes, to repent of our failure to do those things. These, of course, are the signs that God's life is at work in newborn Christians. So what about you? What is God doing in your life? Where are you in your journey with God? Where are you at in the process of total obedience and across the, the, the fullness of your life? Have you converted to Christ? Are you growing in your response to the gospel? Or are you somewhere in the middle of it all? And many of us find ourselves there in the middle of it all, inclined to believe but struggling with, I don't know, maybe repentance. Or maybe you're struggling with the church about being wounded by people in the church, and that's the big hiccup from a complete embrace of the gospel. Or maybe you're stuck on the whole belief thing. You just can't bring yourself to believe that Jesus is actually God in human flesh or that he really died and came back to life. Or maybe that's a given for you. No struggle there, but trusting in God to forgive you of some terrible thing you've done, well, there's the rub for you. You're shackled by shame and guilt. I want you to know if you are on the journey of responding to the good news that an in and of itself is evidence of God's life at work in you. Remember, you're not going to be perfect on day one. But responding to the gospel is a lifelong process of giving ourselves to the king. And so the, my encouragement is to lean further in. Continue to repent, turning away from self-directed thinking and living. Trust that God will continue to lead you. He's there with you. He's your good shepherd on this journey. Chase down your doubts and take them captive to the obedience of Christ. Talk to a mature Christian, someone who's ahead of you on the way. There's wisdom there to be learned. Reach out to me. I'd love to grab coffee with you and talk about where you were at. And where God is leading you to in the next season of your life? Remember, responding to the gospel is an individual responsibility, but it is not done in isolation. You cannot go at it alone. You need to talk to other people. You need other people at times in your greatest doubt to hold you up. Christ Church. May we be a community, a new family that comes alongside of each person and assist them, support them in their life in Christ. Over the course of this Next week, I want you to be praying on how God can help you to do that. Not only in your individual response to the gospel, but how can you aid others? Because we're coming up on Confirmation Sunday. And in that service, we're going to be asked the same question we're asked at every baptism. Will you do everything in your life to support these people in their life in Christ? 
And when we respond, we will. I want us in good conscience to know that we will actually do that. We are just pilgrims on the way. By God's grace, by the power of his spirit at work in us, we will reach for the kingdom and find that God has been there all along. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.